Hey everybody, before we jump into the episode, wanted to give a quick disclaimer and a heads up that there is a pretty significant echo that's present during part of the podcast, particularly when I'm speaking. So we're sorry for that. Bear with us as we continue to kind of figure everything out with audio. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Doctors of Running Virtual Roundtable, where we, a group of doctors of physical therapy, discuss the art and the science to the stuff that we are putting on our feet. It is episode 65 of the Roundtable. It is continually, continually? That's not a word. Continuously. Continuously? Continually? I think those are both words. Those are both words. Someone who has an English degree, please please check up on that. Please stand up. (laughs) Well, the basically, I was trying to say that we keep getting more episodes, which makes sense because we keep recording more episodes. Anyway, none of this is important. We are on episode number 65. It is mid to late. It's actually late November, November 21st today that we're recording. And so we are going to actually start our DPT approved awards. These are what we do every year in talking about different categories of running shoes that have come out and giving out what we think are some of our favorites and some of the best from kind of a biomechanical analysis perspective, knowing that there's a lot of nuance in what best means from a biomechanical perspective. Today, we are going to be on the topic of best daily trainer. We thought it'd be a great spot to start because daily trainers are the shoes that crank out the most miles. But before we dive into that, I do want to give some statistics from our team this year and kind of premise how this process takes place. So our team consists of seven runners, um, six who are DPTs, and then Bach, our social media wizard. Between the seven of us, we have ran just at, I gave, I looked out today, 14,523 miles this year among the seven of us. And then if we talk about just the three of us who are here, which is Matt and David and I, uh, we have 7,549 miles and we still got a month to go. So we'll be definitely topping, you know, 1,500, maybe even getting close to 1,600. Wow. No, 16,000, man. Sunday night. We could hit 16,000 miles by the end of the year. We shall see. Could be pretty cool. Um, So we got a lot of miles on shoes. And speaking of shoes this year, we have reviewed and tested 110 different shoes. So there are, you know, we're not just choosing from 10 shoes that we've tried. We've got 110 different shoes that we've tested out this year. And so we are going to be picking our categories based on testing of all of those. And so this is probably our best grouping of awards because in the past we haven't had this many i think last year was 70 something so we just keep going up in the number of different shoes we've tried which means that our pool has more breadth to it and we can really get a good pick so we are going to talk about best daily trainer Uh, we're going to give that a little bit of a definition we're talking about a daily trainer which is a shoe that can eat up a lot of your training miles reliable and consistent and can function as a workhorse shoe, has mild versatility. 
So um, that's kind of how what we're using when we talk about what's our best daily trainer. The way we're going to go about this is each of us are going to give our honorable mention picks. Um, honorable mention doesn't mean that it wasn't the reviewer's favorite shoe, um, but we did come together as a team for a consensus pick. So, you know, one of us might have a shoe that was actually our favorite daily trainer of the year. That's one of the you know, honorable mention or contributor picks. So we'll, we're going to talk through those first and then at the end we'll give our team's consensus pick. So David, why don't we start with you? Do you want to give us your kind of contributor pick for daily trainer? Yeah, I was trying to pull up the uh, mileage on these shoes real quick. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Let me see. Oh, no. Yes, it will. Okay. So, hey um, yeah, I kind of create this category based on what I reach for the most because a large chunk of our mileage is easy mileage. Mm hmm. For me, that naturally does tend to be either the Hoka Mach 4 or the Hoka Clifton 8. Um, I like them a lot. They're they're not really overdone in any way. They're they're both relatively light. Um, the Mach 4 is a little bit more responsive, um, so I can take it on a little bit more up-tempo stuff. But I think I've got right about 200 miles or so on both of these. And you can mm -hmm. see, like, that outsole, it's, I mean, it's a little shredded, right? I mean... It's seen some better days. This one, the Clifton is actually holding up quite well. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of surprised that the Clifton held up that well because I started eating into that posterior lateral heel like pretty early, but then it kind of just stayed the same. Yeah. So that's cool. But yeah, they're light on their feet. Nothing too crazy. It's a um, relatively gradual rocker. They both have pretty flexible forefoots for having such a rocker formation to them. Um, I think just the deep flex grooves that they use in the shoes. Um, but it feels nice, relatively smooth transitions, you know, nothing crazy, but something I keep reaching for. Yeah. So when, when you, for these two, for you, these were higher than our consensus pick, correct? Like you would have, they picked, were, yeah, these were your favorites, these two. Yeah. So if I had to go in order, the Hoka Mach 4 is my daily trainer of the year. Personally, mm -hmm. it's, that's my number one spot. And then on pretty much anything pre-race or, um, pre-workout if i'm not testing anything i do like the clifton it's just easy nice on my feet i feel pretty good and then i switch into something more responsive you know a little bit lighter more racing profile and i just feel good yeah so um cool. both easy days both long runs daily training you know time on feet i like them both so so i've got one question for you too regarding the yeah. Mach 4 you've got like 200 miles i think one of the questions people ask is it's a rubberized eva or yeah, rubberized EVA outsole. It doesn't have rubber. Um, just talk a little bit about like your durability experience with that in terms of grip and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not too bad. I thought I was going to be slipping around more when we first received the shoe. It really relies on that rubberized EVA outsole to, to get its grip. I mean, it's mm -hmm. because it decompresses a little bit. You almost get a little bit of a grabbing sensation, especially when you're running on the road. And if you're running on kind of more of a gritty road, it's really noticeable. Mm -hmm. um, so from a traction standpoint, even though there's no like blown rubber or carbon rubber, it actually does quite well. And even on the trails, it didn't do too bad for me. I think just because the wide base on there and it's a relatively stable platform. I mean, nothing crazy, 
Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I'm also not bombing downhills in the Mach Four, you know. Um, <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like basic trail running, it's done okay for me. I if we, if I we have to encounter it being in Santa Barbara, there's plenty of runs where we have you know at least thirty forty percent of it on trails. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's not a trail shoe, but it works well for me. Um, durability wise, it's held up decently well i mean it has come down that profly midsole i haven't been into it just yet but um it's basically leveled out in that mid four foot now so there's not too much more life on these it's probably going to get retired in the next hundred depending how each 20 consecutive 25 miles goes you know Mm -hmm. i could see it being 25 i could see it being 100 just kind of seeing how it goes but it's reaching the end of its days but that's industry standard you know 250 300 right so cool and you would say clifton more firm than the mock like clifton's more just kind of like and i like the differentiation you make where you're like it's kind of nice to do clifton before workouts because you get this like more uh contrast between the clifton's ride and then whatever workout shoe you're popping into yeah it's just cozy i mean it's there's nothing really that special about the clifton and that's Mm -hmm. actually what i like about it Hmm. it's pretty simple it's a simple it's a simple geometry i mean it's just a nice little rocker it's decently flexible forefoot i mean more flexible when it's loaded um the sidewalls work pretty well for me Thankfully, in this Clifton, it didn't really destroy my midfoot, whereas yes. the Clifton, the Clifton Six did, and I, right. I enjoyed the shoe, but I just it was a deal breaker. Yep. And and I didn't get to run in the Clifton Seven, but the Clifton Eight, it didn't. It, I got a little bit of rubbing, but nothing crazy, not enough to make me stop running in the shoe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just a nice, pleasant shoe. I mean, I've done twenty plus miles in this shoe in one go. And as long as it's more like time on feet and I'm not trying to run fast, it's just a nice, pleasant ride. So nice. that's that's my reasoning. Cool. I I won't go too far into this, but one more thing I think about the, the Mach 4 versus Clifton. Like there's a couple shoes that Hoka came out this year that had a slightly different fit profile um, than kind of their traditional fit. Like I feel like the Mach 4 was one of those where it fit a little bit wider through the, the early toe box and didn't for me, didn't have any of that midfoot kind of like the classic Hoka blister spot. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't, the, the mock didn't do that for me at all. Um, and the Zanal didn't either. So I think that there's been a couple shoes that have kind of changed their fit a little bit um, yeah. compared to like the Rincon was pretty traditional uh, and the Rincon three and then, and then this one, the Clifton. So cool. This could be fully just speculating i feel like it's those pro fly midsole shoes that they widen it out a little bit the sidewalls aren't quite yeah. as tall yeah and I don't, I don't know i'd have to go look that at could all be true them, but yeah don't quote us but that's a good thought <laughs> i'll go next um so that we can finish stronger you know people forget the thing in the middle so we'll start with david because you remember what's first and then i'll go so that you forget what i say and then we'll go with matt third to finish strong <laughs> um so you know, my number one is actually the consensus pick. So that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but I'm going to talk about my second pick. Um, I had, um, I actually gave these to a friend, but he gave them back to me so I could record showing you guys the shoe, but I had 65 miles on them before I, um, handed them over and I would have kept reaching for them. Um, and that is the Puma 
Velocity Nitro. So first question is, what color is this? Orange. Orange. Oh, darn it. I called it red, and my friend was like, first of all, it's orange. I was like, You're I colorblind. Think it's, I feel like it's a red. Maybe it's red orange. I can see a red orange. I can see You're that. the same person. Didn't you bring something up the other day, and you were like, what color is this? And I was like, oh, That was the dress. Red. It was the dress thing. Yeah. No, no, no. But it was it was a shoe before the dress. I oh, brought up the dress. Who brought up the? I don't think it was me though. Was it me? I think that was Bach. Bach might have done Bach. that. Yeah. Might have been Bach. In okay. our chat, we both the the blue the blue and black white and gold dress thing came back up. But anyway, so the <laughs> Velocity Nitro. This is one of those shoes that I think is pretty traditionally built. You know, there's not a huge rocker on it. Uh, I think it's about a 14 degree four foot rocker. Um, and then just a, a very, it's a centered bevel, but it's pretty big um, overall. Not big, like like rocker sole big, but they bevel it enough where it's not abrasive on heel striking. And there's a couple things that I really appreciated about it. Even though it's a pretty traditional build and doesn't have like a propulsive feel to it, the midsole, having the nitro midsole, um, does give it a little bit of more of a, a bounce to those daily miles and gives it a little bit of that ability to feel okay picking up the pace. And I also just really appreciate the centered nature of the shoe. The wider cutout in the middle um, really centers the foot with kind of pretty pretty decently thick rubber on the outside, which is something else like that I appreciate about a daily trainer is something that's going to last me a while because I do want to just have it you know, eat up miles. Um, and then they have this rim with a, a firmer EVA that goes through the, it's like a C-shaped rim that covers the heel cup. And I just found that that really centers the heel. And for me, um, I'm someone who has a little bit of sensitivity to an unstable heel. So like, for example, like the endorphin speed just doesn't, I can't run a lot of miles in that because the heel is a little bit more wobbly and I'm sensitive to that. So, you know, the firmer EVA rim and kind of the centered nature of that cutout. I really just appreciate it. And again, kind of that very traditional feeling shaping, but gave it a fun foam. Um, fun is maybe too strong of a word. It does have a little bit of a, of a, of a rebound to it. And it's not just a firm EVA. It's softer. Um, I just really appreciated that. And from, from an upper comfort standpoint, one of the most comfortable uppers that I wore this year was this shoe minus the, the collar was just a little high. That was the only issue there. So, cool. Let's move on to Matt. What's your contributor pick before we get to our consensus pick? No, I know we had a consensus pick. Did you have a, a runner-up that you wanted to go through? Or was that was the big one? This was, yeah, this is my runner-up. Well, that right is here. your runner-up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> I also, I think I'm in the same boat where I have, I have one of my favorites, but I'm going to go through my two others i'm gonna go with my primary one and then my runner-up so i'm gonna do kind of wait, top three wait. here don't give the one don't give the consensus matt i feel like you're oh, about to do it do. i'm gonna talk about my other ones oh okay uh, so my <laughs> very a very close battle um and there is i think a little bit what helped was having some history with the shoe and this shoe helped me get through uh, achilles a couple achilles irritations um, so I'm going to have to go through with my pick being the Mizuno Wave Rider 25. There were some significant changes. The transition to a full uh, energy midsole 
did change some things. And the forefoot is one of the most flexible and a train daily trainer that I've seen in a long time, especially Definitely. in today's yeah. age, we're getting max stack height shoes that are getting stiffer with more toe spring. This actually had a really nice amount of flexibility, which I learned to appreciate just because I think the more shoes we've trained, we train in and the more that we test, they're more like, you know what? I really enjoy some variety and getting some flexibility in the forefoot can be nice, but can also be really hard to find. The other thing that that energy soul is really nice. I really felt that I was less beat up afterwards. I do appreciate the high, higher heel drop for just some of the issues I had this year, but it also compresses enough that it doesn't feel that high as a, um, as a heel striker myself. And the upper was just super comfortable. It was a shoe I wore casually and got well over like 170 ish miles in. And I still could barely get through the outsole. So durability was phenomenal. So I got to give my pick to the Wave Rider 25. I didn't get to try the Wave Knit. I just tried the. Uh, tried yeah, the me knit. neither. Yeah. We honestly should pick up a pair because we all, I mean, you guys yeah. love the Wave Knit 24 yeah, more. Amazing. Yeah. We, should, we should pick up yeah. a pair of the Wave Knits. And yeah. just yeah. for the record, too, I guess it would fall under honorable mention as well because yeah. the Wave Rider just missed. Yeah, that honorable mention from yeah. me as well. So yeah, so my my honorable mention is the Puma Magnified Nitro, which I really did not expect to like. And one of the big things that surprised me, it has, I, I don't know, because David seen me warm up before. Nathan, you haven't seen how bad it <laughs> but like the clip is early in the morning. It's not a pretty picture. Like it takes me a while to warm up. Then I can get moving. Um, I definitely have that like like 80, 90-year-old man shuffle first mile. But that shoe was super smooth to transition in. And like it made warm-ups really easy. I love the nitro foam. That little plastic, what do we want to call that? In the what was that called in the rear foot? Uh, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a plastic EVA like uh what is that? Like plate. It's like a plate. it's a it's a C yeah. plate. Yeah. That plate stabilized my heel really well. And I couldn't figure out for the longest time, like, why does this feel more stable than it should? The midfoot narrowed. I didn't <laughs> think that was going to feel good. But I think that seat uh, plate in the rear foot plus the really solid guidance line through the midsole was really nice. And it was nice to have a maximal shoe that had a ton of cushioning, but mm -hmm. that didn't feel clunky. It still had more of a traditional last and shape mm -hmm. to the shoe. Still had some decent forefoot flexibility and just was so pleasant to get miles on. And it was another shoe that, again, I'm I'm the destroyer. And I got almost 200 miles onto that and still did not wear through the outsole. The only thing was is that upper was a little thicker than I would like. And it definitely picked up some odors. So those had to be uh, recycled and not donated for that reason. But those are my kind of top two. The Wave Rider took the spot just because it's a... Again, it's one of those stable neutral shoes, even with the energy foam. Mm -hmm. So it works really well for somebody like me who I should be in a stability shoe, but I've come to gravitate towards stable neutral shoes where I've gotten a little bit more sensitive to posts for some reason over the last year. But yeah, the rider just kind of be beats that in terms of it, it checks all the boxes for someone like me needing a shoe that can handle a little bit of up tempo, but mostly a good, reliable daily trainer. Um, especially with someone that has a couple Achilles yeah. things going on here and there. So those are good picks. Quick note on difference between the velocity nitro and the magnify. So the magnify has two different midsole compounds throughout the entire length. You have the firmer EVA on the lower level and then a very thick level of nitro foam. So it's a very high stacked 
much stiffer from through the forefoot and has a little bit more of that like forefoot rocker that goes into the ride. Whereas the, and, and a little bit softer, like just feels softer underfoot compared to the velocity nitro, which is a little more traditionally feeling, which is why I gravitated towards that one for me. I just, I appreciated a little bit of that lower feel. Um, but that's kind of the main difference, the stack heights and then the construction of the firmness or stiffness. I mean, through the forefoot is probably the biggest difference. Cool. Any other questions for anybody regarding their picks or are we ready to move on to our consensus pick? It sounds like we're ready. Yeah. Crickets is a, a good sign. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Okay, so consensus pick 2021 for best trainer, which again, we're saying is a shoe that can eat up a lot of your training miles, reliable, consistent, can function as a workhorse shoe, has some mild versatility, it's going to be durable. Like DJ said, it's the shoe you're just going to reach for. This was Matt and my top pick. DJ came in at number three. We kind of talked about it, came up with this as the consensus, and it is... Drum roll. All right, I'll, t- I'll say it. Oh, yeah. I, wasn't, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure what you wanted me to... I, we, didn't, we didn't script how we were going to announce it. Super lame. We don't lame. script any of this, by the way. Yep, this is going to be great. The Adidas Adi Zero Boston 10, uh, which we were talking about. I feel like we're going to make a lot of people mad by picking this shoe. <laughs> everyone, we were talking about this for a long time going, we all have all this. Like I've gone through two pairs of these fully. Like I've taken them to each pair to 250 miles, which for me, I kill shoes normally. That piece, which <laughs> That's I, 500 for anyone yeah, else. Yeah. I, I did that for both Boston's, right? I destroyed those shoes. I took them to the full mount. And it's something I couldn't stop reaching for. And yep. I think Nathan had a similar experience. With yes. Me. So I run not nearly as much as these guys. So I run, you know, like 30 miles a week around that. And they're running more like 60 to 80. And, you know, for me to get more than 50 miles on one of these shoes that we're testing because we get so much, like I get them to 50 and, and usually they fall by the wayside. I have 185 miles on my pair. So that in and of itself just speaks volumes to me wanting to reach for it too. So for sure, Matt, why don't you talk about construction of the shoe and what kind of what we've found that we like about it? You know, and it's funny is that the first, I don't know about you, Nathan and David, but the first couple miles of the very first version that I had, I didn't really like it to be same. honest. I was like, do I same, remember same. the, the audio, the, not the audios, the um, Boston nine, I had really mixed feelings about it. it wasn't my favorite, but the ones before that I loved the seven and the eight were both phenomenal shoes and the shoes that I trained in. And I remember watching a lot of Adidas elites use as marathon racers over the audios, which was always really interesting to me, but it, it just had that versatility it was super light. It was in like the eight ounce range yeah. and it wasn't that much different from the audios, but just a little bit more like you could train in it kind of stuff. Although I also trained in the audios 
for some time before that. So that's me. But the <laughs> Boston was such a huge, the Boston 10 is such a huge departure from that because it gained two ounces. They added two midsole foam. So they took boost away, which was the biggest thing for a long time. Um, it had light strike pro and light strike, which one of the few shoes to have light strike pro besides the audios uh pro now so it's kind of like oh wow and the addition of rods it was kind of like dude you guys are just adding rods or plates to everything like is this really special <laughs> but as the shoe broke in and i got used to the ride it was like i just could not stop reaching for it yeah. um it wasn't a shoe that i wanted to do workouts in but when i did do workouts i actually had phenomenal workouts and i'm like i don't understand how i'm doing this in a 10 ounce shoe so um it's still for a lot of people going to be more probably an up-tempo trainer, but I think for us, we discovered that it was just a great tr trainer. Um, mm -hmm. I've used it on trail, which I probably shouldn't have, but that might explain some of the soul. Um, I've used it for long runs, easy runs. And it's just a shoe that I can depend on and it's stable enough. I think because of the design and the rods that it works as a stable neutral shoe for someone like me. So I really, really have enjoyed it. And I think that people, if you are really love that and it kind of fits all the boxes, except the weight, mm -hmm. give it, give it a little time and see, but it is a very polarizing shoe. And I acknowledge that. And I think a lot of people, some people like us are going to like it. Other people may not, but why do you guys think it's polarizing? I think because a lot of people that like the audios, uh, I mean, why do I keep saying the audios? A lot of people that liked the previous versions of the Boston are just going to be like, no, I'm not, I'm not willing to try this. Hmm. I think other people that don't necessarily want a max stack height shoe for the purpose that this thing fills may kind of be averse to it, but I'd say give it a chance mm -hmm. and it ends up smoothing out really well. I know there's also some hesitation of people going, do I really want to train, have a trainer that has rods or plates in it? And I found the rods to not be as aggressive no. as something like, yeah. So you got, especially as it breaks in, the flexibility comes. So yeah. it's not like the plates where it's totally stiff, but it is stiff initially. So I think I wouldn't worry so much about like, oh my gosh, I'm I think you broke your rods, man. No. Yeah. How many, how many miles do you have? You on no, mine, mine do the same thing. I don't have my pair with me right now because I'm in the mountains, but mine do the same thing <laughs> at like 200 plus Wait, miles. Can you go again? Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I guess. It's not yeah. that much. It, yeah, it does, they, I mean, you have to load it. They're they're present. It's not like like the 361 Pacer ST had a four foot plate that like yeah, was I not. Think just like, yeah, yeah, or even the Razor uh, Razor Elite Elite. Yeah. Um, like that. Those are the, these are present. I mean, they definitely stiffen up the four foot. But, yeah. um, but once things like break in, and it's just, I, and I, you know, maybe we're biased. I I just really like Light Strike Pro, and to have that in a daily trainer at the as a top foam is really nice. It's a great foam that feels really resilient. And I'm surprised it didn't break down, which I would have expected yeah. it to. And it's the same experience I'm having with the Audios Pro where the foam's not breaking down, but I have destroyed the heel so much I can't run it anymore. So with the Boston, why, yeah. David, why do you think it's polarizing? Like what do, what do people hate about it or love about it? Uh I think similar to what Matt said. I mean, it's a this is a max cushion shoe. This is a maximal stack height shoe. It's a firm rocker. It's got plates, and it's a complete reimagination of what the Boston was, which did have a cult following. Mm -hmm. So it's like taking the Canvara and then like completely reimagining, you know, just reimagining it. Um, 
That's a really I, good analogy. Is like imagine if they <clears throat> if Saucony took the Kinvara, made it a max stack height shoe, <laughs> and then shifted yeah. it to like a top layer of power run PB with a like a plate in there. How would people react to that? Like yeah, and I had a pre boost Boston as well, and I I know what the Boston used to be, and it this is not it. Right. And, yeah. But it's still it's still a Boston though, you know. It still runs much faster than the weight. I mean, like I've taken it through pretty much everything. I mean, I've done seven miles at five thirty pace in it. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> I've done I, workouts just, in it. I do but... still agree. I, we had a little conversation about this, that I feel like the uh, new Audios, the Audio Six, is is the old Boston. new Boston, and that yeah, Boston they kind of switched made... roles a little bit. Yeah, yeah, the Boston Ten needs to be the series maybe needs to be renamed and the audio six is what the Boston. If you liked the Boston eight, seven, eight, you'd want the audio six kind of thing. Or like, that'd be the most analogous from a feel perspective, which is also a great shoe, by the way. Do you guys think uh, people just hate on likes light strike as well as a midsole? Yeah. I've people like to hate light strike. No, they have been since the beginning. I remember get in like the RC and people are like, ah, it's EVA. Yeah. And the SL20 comes out. Ah, it's, it's light strike. Yeah. And then like, meanwhile, a lot of the Adidas athletes are actually really enjoying it, but like, <laughs> I'm a light strike fan. I've been able to run yeah. in like three shoes with it now. And I'm like, I, it's just it's little, consistent. What? I, it's yeah, not it's fun. Like, it's not poppy. I think it's not, yeah. it's not a sexy foam in that way. Yeah. Like it doesn't give you like fuel cell bounce, you know, like, yeah. It's just not to expect, but like, you know, you kind of said it's a firm rocker max stack shoe. And if the geometry of this shoe, I think the geometry of this shoe is what I like about it a lot is they have a really nice lateral bevel that brings you in really nicely. It's got a really nice wide base that you transition forward off of. I just thought every piece was smooth. The rocker is in the forefoot is not aggressive um, and flexible enough, but you get a little bit of cushion from the Light Strike Pro. But the shoe didn't become the shoe I loved until after 50 miles. And then it was the one that I reached for yeah. over yeah. and over and over. And Yeah, and uh, Klein was with me on my first experience with the Boston. And oh. I remember him asking me, he was like, what do you think of it? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Huh? I don't uh-huh. know. And then totally. like, but, but as you break it in, it, it does feel a lot nicer and it obviously still made the podium for me so um, it, out of everything we've tested it did quite well it's challenging i also think in today's world where we you know so much especially of american culture and i can't speak to other cultures around the world but we expect things to feel good right away and a lot of shoes have gotten to that point where the initial step in feel we're kind of expected to go be good right away and a couple of years ago, it wasn't like that. We all knew, yeah, I got to break this shoe in. It's going to take some time. It'll feel great. And this, this, the Boston 10 is definitely a harken back to that era where it's, a, it is a lot of new technology, but it does take time to break in. Mm-hmm. And once you break it in though, it's what has worked very well for several of us. Yep. Yeah. And the light strike pro does work really well in the forefoot. Matt alluded to it earlier. But it does kind of soften that landing onto the rods a little bit while still maintaining that firm rocker. So you you feel like you have a nice cushioned forefoot while still kind of snapping off the forefoot. Totally. Which is kind of fun. That's that's pretty fun for a daily trainer. Totally. So, it was a kind yeah. of a similar situation where like not similar, but that light strike pro pro, especially in the audio six. I know we're not supposed to be talking about that right now, but 
It's fine. Like they there's not there's no rules here. As a 5k 10k racer, and I'm like, no. Uh, why would I do workouts in this shoe? This is like a like a lightweight trainer. But then I did several workouts in it. And when I got up on my forefoot and hit that light strike pro, I was like, oh, okay. I guess despite the weight, I guess I could see you know, some people using it for this. I, I put it right. as a little longer distance shoe than that, but yeah, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a good foam. It's one of those foams. I think this year, I didn't quite like it in the original Adios pro, but I think what they've done with it this year has really been nice. Yeah, it's and I think that's the thing. So going back to the light strike, I think light strike just, it's like any foam. It depends on how they utilize it. Like I really am enjoying it in the RC three, but it feels this this feels this foam feels totally different than other light strike. It just kind of depends on the shoe. And Adidas holds their kind of foam actual makeup pretty close to the chest. So we don't really know as much as we know for some other foams, like how they how they pull it together. So yeah, we don't know if this yeah. is EVA or a, a EVA TPU blend or what we have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, there there was just some random interview with Nick Roche, and I remember him just being like Light strike, basically, and puts it to the side. That's like my only, yeah. Like, and then when he talked about confirmation of what this is, and when he was asked about light, light strike pro, he's like, "Yeah, not really going to talk about that." Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. The guy who knows probably the most, or the guy who can translate the information the the most, just like he's yeah. not either. So. But then there were publications saying that it was like some kind of TPU EVA hybrid too, wasn't wasn't there? I don't know. I like way back when they first released it, I feel like there was something on. Yeah, but I don't remember those coming from Adidas, so people can make speculations all they yeah. want. Yeah, but the, the people that are going to know are the ones who develop it. Yeah. So. Cool. All right, guys. So that was our episode for the day, talking about best daily trainer. Um, a fast forward look. Nope. Whatever the thing is, you're gonna we're gonna give you a sneak peek into the future. Our next episodes for the kind of the rest of the year here are gonna be talking about different awards. So we're gonna talk about our best stability shoe. We might even we're gonna break that category down a little more and talk about what we think the future of stability might look like, and even categorically what that means and what it should mean. So we're gonna talk about stability. We're gonna talk about the best racing shoes of this year. We're gonna talk about the most versatile shoes of this year and maybe a couple others. So you can keep that on the horizon or see that, that I'm terrible at speaking. You can see that those are what are going to be coming on the horizon are talking about those types of shoes. And um, as always, you can check out what we're doing on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It always helps if you subscribe to this podcast and leave a review about what we're doing. Um, and you can always reach out to us at doctorsofrunning at gmail.com with questions or additional thoughts. Or if you have other you know, picks of what would be your trainer of the year uh, or shoes that you wish we would have tested that we haven't this year, please let us know. This is a great time because we are talking with companies this time of year about what things look like for 2022. So again, thanks for sticking with us. Boston 10, trainer of the year. Uh, and we look forward to next time.